Welcome to the Campus Talent Lab podcast, your go-to resource for campus recruiting and early talent management expertise and insight. Each episode focuses on solutions to one specific challenge in the campus ecosystem. Whether you're looking to amplify your brand on campus, optimize intern conversions, diversify your workforce, or drive improvement to any part of your student hiring or early talent programs, Campus Talent Lab has got you covered. Today's episode is how we dramatically expanded our reach and doubled our applications to meet lofty hiring growth and features a discussion with Jillian Knowles, Campus Recruitment Manager at Alpha Sites. Here's your host, Graham Donald. Welcome, welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's Campus Talent Lab presentation. Our topic is how we dramatically expanded our reach and doubled our applications to meet lofty hiring growth. Uh, this topic illustrates much of the work done in what we refer to as the pipeline stage. Pipeline stage is, is the second of three stages, planning, pipeline, and performance in the Campus Talent Lab ecosystem. And two key success factors within that pipeline stage are branding, and awareness. Branding is, of course, that step of ensuring your messaging is clearly targeting uh, your student audience uh, and, and the specific students you're after. It conveys the benefits that will grab their attention and grab the attention of the right candidates for you. Uh, awareness is all about selecting or developing the rights event, events and activities that'll engage um, students. And it's about determining the best channels and approaches for getting the word out and drumming up interest. Uh, and what it is you're you're doing and how you're engaging in your events and so on. So this is really essentially what employer branding and recruitment marketing is all about. First, clearly defining why students should join your organization, and then second, reaching the audience uh, with that message. So let's get into this uh, a little bit more and learn how Jillian Knowles, manager of campus recruiting at Alpha Sites, and her team dramatically expanded their reach and doubled their applications. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. I appreciate you joining us um, and taking the time at a very busy time. Um, and as I was sort of mentioning in the warm up, uh, you and I met, uh, I think, in, in Philadelphia at the Campus Recruiting Forum. Uh, you guessed 2019. I'm going to go with you on that. Um, I've noticed a few people in the chat and in the attendee list who uh, were at that conference as well. So it's nice to, to be uh, reunited, even if virtually. Um, before we Jump in. Can you just give people a sense of, well, let's assume nobody has heard of Alpha Sites and they don't know where you are, they don't know what you do, and just give them a little bit of context. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Alpha Sites, we are a professional services firm um, and we're a global leader in knowledge on demand, which essentially means that. Um, investment professionals and business leaders come to us when they have a knowledge gap and we'll connect them with industry professionals who can help give them the perspective that they need um, to make business decisions. So uh, we are we, we started back in 2008 um, and now we're over 1200 employees. Um, we have nine offices around the globe and I'm based out of our New York office, which is our largest uh, office in the company. Great. Okay. So um, with that, give us a sense then of your of your campus programs. Where does student hiring fit into what you do and sort of the, the numbers and the majors and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we recruit for our client service team and our client service team takes up about 85% of our business. Um, and for that entire function, we only uh, recruit at the entry level point. So when our team is, is going out and finding those interns that hopefully can become a full-timer or those full-timers, it's with the goal of 
uh, finding individuals that can one day, uh, you know, grow to be the future managers and, and MVPs of the company. Um, so a lot of uh, work gets put into that. Um, and we are in high growth stage. Um, we've been since I joined AlphaSites um, almost five years ago now. Um, and by being a high growth company, it means that we're growing at a rate of 20% um, or more year over year. Um, wow. So every, yeah, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty crazy journey at office sites. Um, you know, every year um, it's been a completely new ball game of the amount of um, interns and, and full-timers that we need to bring in. Um, this year um, in the US alone, we're bringing in about um, 600 between intern and full-timers for the client service team. Um, so wow. a lot of work to be done. That's a, that's a big number for a firm of your size too. Um, but so your whole client service team is kind of homegrown, grown from the ground up um, from campus and fully developed by you, it sounds like, by your team. Um, and, and you mentioned joining OfficeSites five years ago. Uh, what, what was prior to that? What got you into this campus space? Yeah, uh, so before that, um, right after school, I worked for, uh, I worked in a university Greek life. Um, I was a, a leadership consultant. So I was going around to different campuses and working with Greek chapters, helping them with recruiting and marketing, which uh, kind of sparked the interest. And then after that, I made a pivot over to the retail management space before realizing that um, the, the, the campus space that I was working in when I was in higher ed was really the one that I wanted to focus in on. Um, and that is how I found AlphaSites. Perfect, excellent. Well, it is about the place, best possible place to work, I think, in terms of industries uh, and, and uh, great people and everything else. So um, let's jump into this topic yet then. You have, as you said, your, your high growth mode um, ambitious numbers every year for applicants, for hires. Um, and of course, this little pandemic thing came along to throw a curve at, at everything in the way you'd been approaching it before. So uh, what's that? It, 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 maybe I've already defined it. What the big problem, big picture problem you were trying to solve? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So COVID happened in, in 2020. Um, and when COVID first hit, uh, we had already finished up a lot of our hiring uh, for, for, for the season. So um, for that particular hiring season, COVID didn't really affect us um, a ton. Uh, and then um, luckily the firm had a bit of like a, a V-shaped recovery when it came to COVID. So um, after, you know, those initial few months, we, we, we bounced right back in terms of the, the business. So because of that, um, our targets going into the next hiring season, this past one that we just finished, uh, they didn't go down at all despite COVID. They were still growing at that um, year-over-year rate that I previously mentioned. Um, so because of that, we were in this position where the campus recruiting landscape looked completely different because we were you know, going virtual and, and facing that challenge alongside all the rest of the employers. Um, but what made it a little bit um, you know, extra challenging for us, if you will, um, it came down to uh, you know that insane target growth that we were we were facing despite how different everything looked. Um, so we were in a place where we um, wanted to increase our brand recognition and our recruitment efforts, um, and we wanted to do that by expanding our school portfolio. We always had a pretty robust on-campus recruiting program, which always kind of took our our, our main focus um, at any given hiring season. But we knew that we were going to need to expand far outside of that if we wanted to hit our hiring goals. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, that ended up being the kind of the main, the main problem that we were, we were working toward. And would you say that your, your campus 
hiring at that time was fairly traditional in the sense that you had your sort of target schools, you tried to go to them in person as much as you could and do information sessions and fairs and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So um, it was it was a really uh, built out event cadence. We would do a ton of events, a, lo a lot of traveling, and we would be able to fill, um, you know, a, a decent proportion, half if not more of our targets solely from our target schools. Um, and then uh, heading into last season with the target increase, we knew that we needed to expand far outside of those schools. We had already been um, you know, recruiting virtually at non-target schools, but it was mostly okay. just post and process, you know, posting on the school job board, seeing what would happen and those passive applicants would fill the rest of the class that, that our target schools weren't able to. But going into last season, we knew that we would have to really form a, a specific strategy that happened in tandem with our target school strategy um, if we were going to bring in, um, you know, a, a enough of that volume. Right, and you're also, uh... New York, your biggest office, which uh, in those earliest days of uh, pandemic was sort of the, was an epicenter of, of COVID for a while there. Um, so that must have added to the challenge. But um, so let's talk about what you did. And I like the fact that, you, you know, you give that context that you had, you know, non-core school students coming through, but really you're posting jobs and you're, you're screening applicants. You're not presumably doing any virtual events and, and interaction. So let's, let's talk about what you did to ramp things up. Um, when it comes to the, uh, the solution that we had to put in place, um, the first and foremost, we had to reorganize our team. Um, when we would go into a typical fall recruiting season, um, the entire team would be focused on our target schools um, and our target school efforts. Um, and we needed to figure out a way uh, to make sure that people could focus not only on, their, on our target schools, but um, on our non-target schools at the same time. We didn't want to you know, miss out on talent in the fall by you know, only focusing on our target school effort. So we had to re-envision what the role of, in, of a recruiter looked like. We had to re-envision what the role of a coordinator looked like in order to um, support kind of that, of, of them having to wear both of those hats. Um, and then we also um, needed to build out an efficient virtual event strategy that could allow a year-long um, focus uh, across such a large portfolio um, of schools. So uh, that meant, you know, instead of our, our typical model of doing um, school-specific info sessions for our target schools, we had to start creating recurring webinars that could, um, you know, attract students from a, a wide range of schools to attend. Um, and that helped our recruiters be more efficient because they were able to, you know, target a, a wider population of students and funnel them all into um, particular events. So we did uh, a lot of um, kind of revamping of our virtual event strategy to, to make it more efficient um, so that we were able to focus in on those two pipeline sources at the same time. Right, so uh, two, two questions, uh, one that come to mind. One is size of your team, how many people are working with you on this? Um, right now we are a team of, uh, of 25 um, heading into the wow. season, but last season, um, uh, with the time I'm referring to, uh, we were about uh, 15. Okay, and you mentioned recurring webinars. So uh, these uh, are, are uh, presumably it's not a recorded webinar just being run at different times. You're doing it live each time, and, and how often would you've done that? Yeah, so we're doing it live, um, and we we host it various at various points throughout these 
season, we make sure that, you know, in a given fall season, we have a couple of different events that fit in with our hiring timelines. Um, so that if, you know, it's a student who isn't back to school the first week of September, um, it's fine because we're gonna be hosting another one um, uh, in October. So we made sure that we mapped it out throughout the year uh, in a way where different student populations could um, attend um, and that we could align with, you know, student behavior at particular schools uh, by making sure that we were offering a, a, a wide range of options. Right, and, and so these are, um, you're scheduling them at different dates that seem to make sense. Are they also um, themed at all in terms of, are, are you saying, hey, this is for, for students in Northwest or at these particular schools, or is it just, here's the next date and it's, uh, you know, we'll take anybody that's interested. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we try to be strategic with the timing of, of of any of these kind of like recurring school agnostic events, just to make sure that they were planned at times where most students could attend. So we recruit from schools all over the U.S. So we wanted to make sure that it was hosted at a time that um, West Coast and East Coast and um, students could uh, could you know be able to to to, to fit into it. Um, but otherwise, um, we really strive to make sure that it could apply to all different. Um, types of, of students, but what we made sure to change was when we were actually reaching out to these students um, to let them know that the event was happening, to, to let them know who Alpha Sites was, that's where we would make sure that we tailored the message. So really um, getting, uh, um, getting very creative in what our outreach sounded like in the way that we were promoting our brand and the way that we were promoting our employee value proposition, depending on the student population that we were speaking to. So our message might have sounded a little bit different to encourage um, a varsity athlete to attend this recurring webinar versus a, a business student to attend this recurring webinar. Um, when they actually get to the webinar, the material is going to you know, sound uh, the same for both of them and, and um, you know, hopefully convince both of them to be interested in the alpha sites. But um, right. it was really important for us to think about the hook of how are we going to get these people in? And, and that's where the that's where we decided to focus on the hyper-personalization rather than the hyper-personalization necessarily having to come from the event itself. Okay, so the, 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 hook, the hook is personal. The, yeah, great. You, you, you con, you're conversing with them in a way that is something they relate to and they feel like you're being targeted to them. And of course, you've got room for the, all their questions in your webinar anyway. So you can reach their, their targeted, you know, meet their targeted expectations, I would imagine, even though you're doing a general thing. How... How are they finding out about this? Is this all through your efforts? Is this through schools that you're putting word out through? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, we really believe in finding, you know, any and all uh, corner for, for marketing. So um, when we're um, engaging with students, we definitely partner with the Career Center contacts, try to figure out um, what opportunities you have for brand building. Do you send out um, marketing uh, campaigns on behalf of employers? Do you offer resume books? Um, can you offer us introductions to uh, professors or student organizations? We definitely leverage um, the student organization outreach quite a bit, not only from our recruiters, but from members of our business who used to be part of those student organizations themselves when they were in schools to, right. to make those introductions. Um, uh, we, we definitely leverage um, a, a number of different vendors from LinkedIn to um, a, a couple of other vendors that focus in early career talent. Um, those have been um, incredibly helpful um, and, and important for our process. Um, okay. as we, we are you able to share those? And I understand if you want to keep your cards to your chest, but, it, but if you're able to share what those are, I'd be, I'd be interested to know. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Happy to do some some uh, some free promotion for them. But handshake, yeah. ripple map, um, uh, tools tools such as those have been really helpful um, uh, in this kind of new in this kind of new campus world. Interesting. Um, Mary Scott's prompted me with an excellent question here. Pre-COVID, how many target schools roughly did you have? Yeah, so when it came to the target school piece, um, we've always had a fairly large target school portfolio, hovered around okay. 20 target schools. But 20. Um, uh, before heading into last season, we, we did have to reevaluate and we had to say, all right, if we're focusing on um, a wider amount of schools uh, year round, we still want to put the most spend behind our target schools and put, you know, still still build out the, the strongest event cadence and kind of time and attention to our target schools because that was important. We didn't want to lose how, you know, strong of a feeder that was, but we had to do it in a way where we could also add in all of these other events and, and kind of smaller scale efforts for our non-target schools. So um, when we looked at that list of 20, we did have to evaluate similar to how we evaluate every single year did this school perform in, in a manner well enough where it makes sense for us to be putting this hyper focus on them next season, especially knowing that we have all these other, you know, schools that could potentially be feeders that we wanted to focus on. So we did um, make some cuts and, and, and add in some new ones to try. Um, but uh, again, we did feel like it was important to, to maintain our relationship with those target schools um, because they had been such strong feeders, but they were also the type of schools where we knew that if we decided to, you know, um, lighten our kind of lighten our efforts or or begin just posting our our job on the school job board on a monthly basis, that we wouldn't convert any candidates because the candidates from those schools were expecting, you know, a full alpha sites recruiting event cadence and and they're used to employers on the campus, um, uh, you know, kind of catering to them, if you will. Um, so we needed to make sure that we were um, balancing balancing that in, in our decision making. Right. So, so sorry, I'm still not clear. Then you're 20, uh, that got pared down, but then you have sort of another tier is that's getting another level or what, how did, what's that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So we're still around 20 for the target school to get to, um, to clarify, we still have around 20 target schools. It just ended Different up kind of experience. where we wanted to make sure that, you know, every season we're, we're reevaluating, making sure that it's the right schools that are within that 20. Um, and then I guess you could say the, the second tier that we have now is this, you know, large group of non-target okay. schools um, where, where we ended up being able to focus on um, more so than in past seasons in tandem with that 20 target school number, if that clears it up. Right. Do you have, a, do you have even a rough idea of, of how many of your hires are coming through those 20 versus that other group? Um, I don't know if you know that, but. Yeah, in past seasons, it's been um, upwards of filling about half, if not more of our class from those target schools. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in future seasons moving forward, just with the, the rate of growth that we're having, um, unlikely that those 20 schools can continue filling that portion of the class, right. um, which is why we need to, which is what caused us to have to ramp up our, our non-target school efforts. Um, but still, you know, even though it's not filling 50% or more anymore, it's still filling a very, um, a very important part of the process, which is why we, we, we didn't want to um, completely get away with our, with our target school program. Right. Um, I want to ask you about what, what went well. And I, I actually want to start with a, this question a little more specific than that, because I'm, I'm finding a lot of organizations don't really have a handle on this right now. They're kind of, I mean, it's been busy. It's been a lot of change. It's been a lot of shifting. And so they're using a lot of channels. And I don't know that how well organizations know, you know, which one's working well. Um, so you mentioned Handshake, Ripple Match, 
I'm sure you're doing, you're doing your own thing, you know, putting it on LinkedIn and doing your own promotions. And then you've got schools helping you do promotions. Do you have a sense of, of you know, which ones are, are working best and the best return on the effort and investment? Yeah. So all of the ones that you mentioned are currently working well and we're planning yeah. on, you know, bringing it into the season moving forward. Um, so I think, um, uh, the fact that we weren't, you know, just relying on just one source, just one pipeline source was important. We did need to diversify our efforts. Um, and by doing that, um, we, we, we saw, you know, it pay off in the numbers. So our event attendance increased by um, uh, 125%. So we, we met a ton more students by um, focusing on, on schools outside of our target schools. Um, by making sure that we were doing it year round, by using all of these different tools and, and being able to find students in different corners. And by doing that tailored messaging, that really helped in getting people to actually um, uh, see our messages, open our messages, listen to it and engage with it. Um, our application volume also doubled um, uh, in the season. So that was another thing that went really well. And I do think it was because of, um, of, of, of the aforementioned shifts that, that we made. Um, and uh, in the end, we ended up increasing the amount of schools that we hired from year over year by by 70% um, as well, which was a really which was a stat that we were really um, excited to see since we knew how important it would be to expand our our reach beyond our beyond our uh, our target schools. Great, fantastic. Um, and I'm going to jump past what we differently did next time. Just get sort of into recommendations for others. I'm wondering if there's anything particularly that you would say like this is something others should definitely do like what went best and what would you suggest others do yeah yeah so if i were to recommend anything first it would be um you know doing a SWOT analysis of your school portfolio and starting to set some goals before heading into the season so if you're looking at your target school portfolio um figuring out all right what's going well in the target school portfolio where are our areas of opportunities where are our threats and reasonably, how much do we think that we can pump out of these, um, these target schools this season? Um, and then uh, taking any of the deficit and saying, all right, we have this many more remaining targets. So what are those non-target schools that we're going to um, you know, try to build out a more tailored cadence with um, alongside our target school program this, this fall? Um, but just making sure that you're kind of doing the analysis into the schools to, to have conviction over um, uh, what, what schools you are focusing on. Um, yeah. And the, the, the next step uh, that, that I would recommend is building out an event library and building out a virtual cadence that can be easily followed and, and replicated. So the recurring webinar was just one of um, probably six different type of virtual events that we were hosting throughout the season. Um, uh, we made sure that we trained up every recruiter on how to run these events. Um, and, uh, we, uh, and, and that really uh, helped be able to replicate it especially since we were doing that on a recurring basis, especially since we were doing it, having to take into consideration, um, you know, all of the um, kind, uh, kind of the tech behind it. Um, and then um, really just empowering your team to take on this 365, uh, you know, days a year uh, approach. So we did have to, you know, kind of change mindsets of, of, all right, in the fall now, it's not just going to be about our target schools. When you're not focusing on your target school, what effort are you putting into our non-target schools? Um, what, what, which of our vendors are you leveraging? What's your messaging looking like? And are you funneling them into some of these recurring school agnostic events? 
Um, uh, and just empowering your team to take that 365 approach, maybe restructuring your team in some ways to give them the time to be able to focus on so many schools at once um, uh, is also an important consideration to, to make. Great. Yeah, no, you, you talk a lot about target schools, and I, I know we it was a hot topic when we met in 2019 about understanding these target schools and why are they on the list? And do you have the, the metrics and the evidence to show that they belong on your, because every company seems to have some pet schools that may or may not actually be performing. And it sounds like you've been really digging in on that, which is great. And then when you talk about this cadence of webinars and so on and the 365 approach, is this, I mean, is this just that the, the, the cycles have changed? There's more intake times, there's more, as you mentioned, certain schools and certain groups will have different times that it's time to be thinking about, about this. It really sounds like any kind of product or service sales in the sense that a customer could arrive at any time and you want to be ready for them to join into the next cycle. Um, is, that, is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. So um, we, if, and, and, and let me know if this is answering your question properly, but we, we did find that at different times of the year, you know, different populations might be ready to engage with us. A business student might be ready to engage with us as soon as September, October, but maybe that liberal arts student is intimidated by it and isn't ready to hear from us until November um, or maybe even January. So figuring out, um, all right, with, with all of these schools, when are they going back to school? In general, when does the school tend to care about um, you know, finding a job? But then what's the subpopulation within the school and when do they you know, usually um, kick in the job search and kind of planning out um, what time of the year you're gonna focus on those schools accordingly, um, we found to be helpful in, in kind of balancing out the many schools that, that we um, uh, now have a more um, concerted effort on, uh, if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it, it does completely. It sounds like you, you've developed this flexibility because you know not everybody's in the same cycle, the same timeline. Um, and of course, you've got different different entry points. Um, I want to pick up, we're really tight on time here, but uh, uh, Danielle DeFries has put a good question here about wondering about yield rates sort of, uh, well, to try and make it brief, she just sort of says, we have seen with employers having you know, this more general and less school specific events that they're they have less touch points. And so high potential candidates may get lost in the process. There's, there's, you know, because it's sort of a broader reach, um, you know, she's wondering if you find you, a lot more people drop out of the process uh, when you're hoping to still get them. Um, and that may be hard to compare because there wasn't really, you know, everything's changed so much, but any comment on that? Yeah, yeah. So we didn't um, see much of a difference in terms of withdrawal rates this past season. Um, I do think in terms of uh, reneg rates was was probably a trend that we that we did keep an eye on this season, which um, yeah. school contacts let us know would would be a factor. Um, uh, um, so so we did see some changes there, but less so of dropping people out the process. We did make sure that we implemented some some ongoing touch points for these individuals with members of the firm. Um, uh, you know, sell efforts and kind of keeping them engaged after offer uh, so that even though they weren't meeting us face to face at a bunch of events, um, you know, uh, as they normally would, that they still felt a connection with the company. Great, great. Thank you very much. I, I, a ton of information in a short period of time. Uh, I think that was really helpful to get to get your insights. So thank you very much for taking the time to to invest in the professional development of, of your peers by sharing. And I look forward to staying in touch and, and hearing more about your success in the future. Thanks so much. And thanks everyone for joining. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Campus Talent Lab podcast. 
For more information and to join the community, please visit www.campustalentlab.com.